A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate that everything, simply everything, has its own history, like reindeer, beer, and the number 50. Now, can you guess why we're doing the number 50, or why I'm suggesting the number of 50? It's because I turn 50 on the 3rd of December. Um, a mm. monumental. So I think we should do half centuries or something like that. What do you think? We've done the num- We have done individual numbers before, haven't we? We did we the number seven in our yes. book about the Romans, uh, which was a very interesting chapter I wrote. Um, uh, so why not? Let's do the number fifty. Love Ex- it. Excellent, excellent. And one of our American list, North American listeners, Irvin Jaffa, who's a big fan of the podcast, messages us uh, every now and again, has come up with the best topic for us. Sam, get this. Habitual tardiness. <laughs> <laughs> Habi- late. Habitual I tardiness. I mean, I, I thought it could be like the history of unhurried laziness, a history of slackers, cowboy builders, or something like that. It's one of the best topics I think we've had. Uh, it's superb. Yeah. Or we could do Christmas, holly, snowmen, candy canes, wreaths, logs, feasts. In fact, Sam, because it's Christmas and we always do festive things, we could do the 12 days of Christmas. We could have partridges in pear trees we could have turtle doves we could have french hens we could have well, christmas animals christmas we, could do, animals. we could do a series of christmas series of christmas animals couldn't we calling birds um, five gold rings geese swans maids ladies lords pipers drums yes yeah the robin very good history of the robin oh. There is a book yeah. out I saw in Waterstones, uh, The Cultural History of the Robin, or some such title. Mm. Sounds really okay. interesting. So we could do pheasants. Um, <laughs> what else? What, what other things? Swans, geese. Donkeys. That's a good Christmas we've animal. Done, anyway, we've let's, done let's, donkeys, but we need to crack on, because well, what we do should be doing <laughs> is following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, that the history of secrets is in fact all about Elizabethan Catholics, recusancy laws and priest holes, and a recent romp and adventure at Harvington Hall. It's also about secret codes and ciphers and the practice of hiding sweaty gloves in chimneys to deter malign spirits. It's also about D-Day and operations in World War Two. It's about misogynistic attitudes in the past towards women about not being able to keep secrets. And it's also about Indian folk tales. Who knew? Or mm. who knew that the history of buckets is in fact all about <laughs> seaside holidays, sandcastles, childhood pastimes and sand deals. It's also all about the Great Fire of London in 1666. It's about Roman and medieval citulas. And 
It's about religious ceremonies and alum collecting urine and the history of leather, which, of course, is all about gloves, gloves, gloves. Who knew? Yeah. Good. Buckets are a... um... Uh, a very, very good topic. Go and listen to that. Uh, let me say of my fellow presenter simply one thing, that his face is as smooth as a baby's bottom. He is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It is Professor James Daybell. Hello, James. <laughs> Hello, Sam. And once again, we are on a very similar wavelength, because you may well be wondering who is that unattributed voice so ably helping Daybell co-pilot this very episode. Well, let's just say that if he were a spot-related historian... He'd have the smoothest visage you've ever seen. His rugged historical features not marked by the kinds of spots, white heads and pimples that shelter in the sweaty shelters of the nose of juvenile historians in their archival <laughs> adolescence. No siree, Bob. This man's the real deal with cheeks of steel. Yes, you've guessed it. It's the famous <laughs> Famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. Sorry, that was Hello, everyone. that was my um, alliterative poetic rhyming there. Sorry, the, very good. The real uh, deal with re- cheeks of steel. Yes, I love it. Yes, um, guys. Today we are doing spots, and James, this was very much a uh, a choice of yours. Yes, I don't know why it was one of those no. things. I sort of sat down, and and the inspiration came upon me, and I came up with all sorts of ideas, drew a little list, and actually thought we haven't done spots, and spots are a bit yucky and a bit interesting and a bit gruesome. We have done spots in different ways. In some of our past episodes, I remember us talking about smallpox. I'm sure we've talked about... That was in the scar. That was in the scar. Um, So, And I'm sure we've talked about it in in other places, people covering up their faces for different, different reasons. But I actually thought something around the history of spots would be amazing. And I was researching some really interesting things... 18th century beauty and and the beauty spots of people actually putting spots on themselves there's a history of that um, but also covering up spots and I came across some really quite gruesome stuff about Victorian cosmetics um, in particular the use of arsenic to to sort of colour the skin. So I'm going to be talking about that. I'm also going to talk a little bit about The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, age 13 and three quarters, because there was a boy absolutely and utterly obsessed with acne. Uh, I mean, I've, let's start, I think, by saying that acne can be a very, you know, although we're having an entertaining time here, acne can be a very challenging disorder, yes. and a lot of people uh, find it very difficult indeed to live with. And it's not just in, in the contemporary world. Um uh, there's a, a plenty of examples in history of people finding um, either their appearance or the appearance of loved ones um, really b- very difficult indeed, and, and it affects affects the way they think, it affects the way they behave. So um, in no way are we uh, making light of something which some people find um, extraordinarily I think, difficult. I think that's a very important, very very important point to make. I had a, a friend at school who was, you know, who was very um, troubled by it. Um, yeah, yeah. So very serious point, Sam. Um, so I think there are a couple of things that really struck me. The first is that what we're essentially doing, or what you can do in thinking about spots in terms of this, is how the face, uh, and we have done a podcast on the face, but I, we didn't cover this, but the face is is itself a historical text, which can be read, uh, which is 
very much a theme we tend to come back to in Histories mm. of the Unexpected by um, making it clear that an object or an item or, or whatever it might be, or even behaviour, is something that, that is, it is just like a historical text. It can be read and it has all of the necessary pitfalls in that, as well as being incredibly revealing. You'll be incredibly careful to do um, in the way that you go about it. Um, and in terms of this, it's changes in the tone of the skin is really important and also the texture of the skin. And it was believed in the early modern period that those changes were, I'm quoting here, a moment-to-moment update on the state of the subject's soul, which I thought was a a fantastic way of putting it. Uh, He goes on to say here, women's faces, and also we have to note that a lot of this um, is gendered. Uh, there's There's a lot of the history of this is it's not just about spots it's about spots on women's faces it's not only that it's about what men think about spots on women's faces this comes back time and time again so in no way do we do we have a balanced view of what's going on in the past um Women's faces were often described as books or signs and the dynamic between reader and read was almost always gendered um, so women are the books, men the readers be. This is a quote from 1640. Women are books and men the readers be, in whom oftentimes they great erratas see. Here sometimes we a blot, there we espy a leaf misplaced, at least a line awry. Uh, which I thought was a really good way of starting this off, and it's something that I'm going to be coming back to, um, the way that uh, uh, it was. It, it is gendered and... Um, uh, actually, James, I'm not going to come back to it. I'm just going to crack on and carry you on crack on. You it. crack so, on. It sounds fascinating, Sam. Yeah. Well, um, one of the earliest accounts of the word cosmetic. Right. Uh, this is this is worth knowing. So, 1559. So it's just a year after Elizabeth I took the throne. If you can um, frame it in that chronology. Um, but it, it seemed to have not been used widely before 1650. So it's almost a century afterwards, 90 years afterwards. And it's usually with reference to paint or painting, um, beautifying, uh, tricking, uh, which I think is interesting, tricking and adorning. So uh, I like the way of tricking. So essentially what you're doing is you're making your skin look in a way that is uh, unnatural. You're changing your appearance. So the viewer sees it as a trick. Um, so even though you've got a much more common use of the word cosmetic after 1650, it's known by historians that there was what's called a culture of cosmetics, which existed long before then. So all the way back to uh, Tudor times and long before that as well. Um, These early modern accounts of cosmetics are really uh, quite interesting, actually. Um, so we have one here, uh, which is, gives you instructions on the use of cosmetical and garnishing things, uh, which ought not to be taken for unhonest and undecent for a man that is well instituted and godly minded. Now, what's kind of really interesting about um, this text that this comes from is that the intended user of the cosmetics is certainly women, but the text is addressed to men. Um, And there's a specific claim here that godly men may legitimately give cosmetics to their wives if doing so it makes their wives more attractive to the men. And that in turn would then prevent husbands from seeking out whores, I'm quoting here, or turning to adultery. 
uh, and a quote here, for the lewdness of certain married men is such that for small and light faults of their wives, they are turned from the love of them unto harlots and whores, and certain faults or blemishes are such that a man of a bashful nature would be ashamed to be seen abroad with them. Um, so I, I, this this text itself just opens up a whole a number of ways that you realise that the history of spots, the history of cosmetics um, can be taken apart. Essentially what we've got here is men defending uh, themselves and also encouraging other men to get cosmetics for their wives to remove blemishes on their wives, like blemishes like spots, um, which will in turn prevent those same men from turning to adultery, uh, which is a bit of a box of snakes to get your head round, James uh, itself. But um, worth bearing in mind that, uh, that there's a there's a very important gendered side to this as well, and there's also a good racial side, interesting racial side to it. Um, but the the um, the male and the female side seems to be particularly relevant to spots and to blemishes. Um, all comes back to uh, texture of the skin and what is perceived as being beautiful, and to whom. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ooh, Sam Willis, that dovetails so nicely with what I'm going to talk about next. I take your early modern and I raise you <laughs> with some Victorian beauty ideals. And this really is, is what this is leading to is some pretty serious uh, treatments for for covering up spots. And, and, and the whole thing is about this sort of conceptualisation, this understanding, this ideal that women should have a particular kind of skin, that the skin should man here it's a sort of gender and and race coming in the the sort of the ideal skin is this sort of white translucent skin that is seen as natural um and that doesn't have any spots or blemishes upon it this is contrasted with the kind of you know overly made up sort of painted ladies um so it's sort of i suppose you're contrasting the sort of the english rose with the sort of painted harlot that you were that you were talking about so there are all sorts of of ways that this, that this comes across there are there are books at the time and commentators who 
you know, who prescribe these kinds of beauty treatments for people. I came across one uh, wonderfully titled um, column in Harper's Bazaar that was called The Ugly Girl Papers or Hints for the Toilet. The toilet there being basically your sort of beauty regime, you know, the way in which you sort of got up in the morning and, and washed yourself. And there are all kinds of ways um, in which women were encouraged to use on their face, on their body really nasty chemicals that could that were poisonous uh, also highly addictive and at the end of it you could could in fact die you and there are all sorts of tales of of people going blind things like you know washing your face in ammonia um using opium overnight um and also using arsenic and little sort of arsenic wafers that you would you would nibble at um and they were advertised as being perfectly harmless but you know as we all know arsenic is deeply harmful it's extremely toxic um and long time long term exposure uh can lead to hair loss um damage to the nervous system kidney damage also weird sort of um gro- growths inside the body um and you know and also pigment loss in the skin so i was doing a lot of reading uh, all about this and i came across some wonderful uh, material culture uh for this and one of my, one of the things that i came across um was a series of advertisements in newspapers uh and these were popular towards the end of the 19th century and still into the 20th century they were used you see them in advertisements but also there in one museum that i looked at the website there's a little box of these little pills um and i'm going to talk you through um an advertisement first of all in the helena independent on the 9th of november 1889 and it has the title a woman's face is her fortune dr sims arsenic complexion wafers and it reads after a few days use will permanently remove all blotches moles pimples and freckles producing an entrancingly beautiful complexion that shames the use of powders and creams warranted perfectly harmless sold by all leading druggists at one dollar per box of a hundred wafers dr sim's safe periodical wafers are sure and reliable for all female irregularities price two pounds per box sent by mail secure on receipt of price warranted to contain no tansy uh, for penny royale and then I found a wonderful uh, example um, of Dr. James P. Campbell's safe arsenic complexion wafers, uh, which come in a, in a tiny little cardboard box. You know, like the kind of old-fashioned box that you would have either got cartridges in or staples, that kind of thing, sort of blue on the, on the front and then sort of brown cardboard. Um, a very sort of small thing, rather like the size of uh, an aspirin packet nowadays or a paracetamol packet and the what was interesting about this this is again 1890 uh made in 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 
United States in in New York, uh, and the the instructions from the manufacturer are freckles, moth, blackheads, pimples, vulgar redness, rough yellow or muddy skins, and other disfigurements are permanently removed, and a deliciously complete clear complexion and rounding up of angular forms ensured. Also, an absolute specific in dyspepsia, habitual constipation, malaria, neuralgia, rheumatism, loss of appetite, lacklustre eyes, low spirits, want of vitality, malassimilation of food, headache, hay fever, etc. And so it's this sort of almost there's something that sort of can, you know, can, can cure everything. There's another advert from uh, 1890, um, Dr. Amit's French Arsenic, which has the title Lovely Women, Why Will You Tolerate Freckles, Pimples, Blackheads, Yellow or Muddy Skin, Moth Wrinkles, Red Nose, or Any Other Form of Skin Disease or Facial Disfigurements, when, in bold capital letters, you can certainly possess a beautiful form, brilliant eyes, skin of pearly whiteness, perfect health, and life well worth living, if you will only use Dr. Amet's French arsenic complexion wafers. Perfectly harmless, and the only genuine <laughs> safe French preparation of arsenic, one dollar a box, by mail to any address. And so it, and so it goes on. The, the, the danger with this um, is that in, there are certain cases where it actually led to deaths um and in july 1880 it was reported in the indianapolis sentinel that a young lady handsome and intelligent had gradually lost her sight uh, as a result of taking arsenic uh, she was engaged to a and i quote a young physician of good prospects uh, who basically put the engagement on hold uh, until he could work out whether the whether they could find out whether the, her sight would be restored and there were also deaths so in 1911 uh, an 18 year old uh, living in St Louis uh, called Hildegard Walton uh, had taken several boxes of wafers in order to try and get rid of uh, spotty complexion uh, and had died as, as a result of this so what we have basically is um, is false advertising here uh, and the use of pretty powerful evil chemicals uh, on people in the sake for the sake of beauty sam scurrilous scandalous perfectly safe i love that not perfectly safe no. at all let me just uh, i want to follow up a little bit about uh, this gender thing that i was talking about before um and in terms of treatments unsurprisingly um romans and greeks used honey they seem to have used honey for everything hmm. um and here we got uh, examples this is the Toilet of Flora, first published in 1772. Uh, recipes for um, uh, creams and waters to put in your face, which uses everything from veal, uh, newly laid eggs, apples, celery and fennel. Um, so it sounds a little bit like a, um, a kind of a roast, <laughs> some kind of delicious <laughs> game roast that you would then put on your face. Um, what I wanted to uh, point out was, was that the people who are doing all of this and it's all to do with the professionalization of medicine you've got to bear this in mind um so in the 18th and the 19th centuries there's a change in who practices medicine and uh, that change itself paves the way for people to specialize in dermatology and specifically the medical treatment of spots 
Um, and this professionalisation of the medical practice is... Um, it's, it's interesting. So Daniel Turner is a good example, right? So he's, um, we're talking the 1690s here, um, and he worked in London. So if you know your Daniel Defoe, think about his um, his book describing London. And if you want to imagine what it would be like, I would urge you to go and read that. He's a surgeon, and he's the author of the first book, Wholly Devoted to Dermatology. Um, and he first registers as a medical practitioner um, with the Barber Surgeons Company of London in 1691. Okay, so he is registering himself as a medical practi- practitioner, but the guild he's part of is also um, in- it includes people who, who uh, cut into flesh. They um, they do operations, but also those who cut hair and those who mend teeth uh, as well. So it's not it, it's much more varied this whole practice of what was considered medicine then um, than it is at the time now so um gradually over time it becomes more specialized and not only does it become more specialized but it becomes more male so the people who are doing the medicine who are curing the people with spots and they're writing the the um, the dissertations about um uh, all the recipes about uh, how people can actually um get rid of their spots and that actually are men and it even applies to uh, things like midwifery so traditionally it would have been uh, female in the 18th century um, well, from the late 17th century onwards you have a real change to uh, even, even midwives being men so although if you look at the 17th century now inevitably this will happen because of the arrival of the printing press and there's more material related to the treatment of spots from the 17th century onwards uh, usually done by men because of this professionalisation of the medical service. Um, but before then, um, it's very likely, um, though there is very little evidence of it, but it is very likely that a lot of the people who would, would have been the traditional healers, who would have understood the traditional recipes for creams and solutions to put on your face to help you deal with spots, were female. And then it changes in the 17th century when uh, the men decide to give it a go and they uh, they muscle out women and um, they, they, they start off really controlling the medical professional practice. And I suppose that then feeds into the kind of marketisation of these products for women. Uh, that we yeah. that I, I just spoke about as well. Now I want to take us in a different direction, and as promised at the outset, uh, I want to talk about Adrian Mole, and I think this ties in with the serious point that you were making about how um, people of all ages, but particularly teenagers, um, are you know become very sort of fixated and concerned about about spots and the way in which you can ha- that can have really sort of bad. Uh, a bad impact on mental health and and well-being um and i think nowadays you it, you can be medically treated for it um in that you know if you have serious acne um there are certain treatments that you can have uh, that will actually clear it up quite effectively um but i wanted to talk about uh, the secret diary of adrian mole age 13 and three quarters this must be a book that you've read sam Yep, absolutely. Uh, years years ago, I read this, and in the back 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 corridors of my memory, I was thinking, "Ah, oh, Adrian Mole, you know, he was obsessed with spots. There must be something there." So I had a quick look, a quick read, and he absolutely is. And I hadn't realised quite how much 
much he was. Um, this was a book that was written uh, in the early 80s. It's set in you know, between 1981 and 1982. So there's all sorts of things going on at the time. I would have been at that point, I would have been about nine, nine coming on to ten. This is the period of the Falklands War, birth of Prince William. It's Charles and Diana get married. Mrs. Thatcher is is Prime Minister in, in Britain. And what this is, it's written in diary style and it basically focuses on the main character, Adrian Mole, his loves and life as a teenager, all those things that he is obsessed with, including uh, the lovely Pandora. Um, but And also he thinks of himself very much a, as an intellectual, and I just thought I wanted to read you uh, some of this. Uh, I found a really nice PDF version of this uh, online, uh, which you could, if you Google it up, um, love reading for kids.co.uk. There's a lovely uh, little sort of PDF version. Uh, if any of you want to sort of don't have a copy of it and just want a quick extract of it, Google that up. So the secret diary of Adrian Mole, age 13 and three quarters, and the first sort of chapter or so um, is there available for you. So it starts uh, on New Year, uh, the f Thursday, January the 1st, and he He's drawing up these New Year's resolutions. Um, the first is, I will help the blind across the road. Second is, I will hang up my trousers. Third, I will put the sleeves back on my records. Four, I will not start smoking. <laughs> um, and five, I will stop squeezing my spots. And that introduces uh, a real obsession that we see over the next sort of, you know, month or so, uh, being obsessed with this spot on his chin and lower down he writes just my luck i've got a spot on my chin for the first day of the new year and then on the next day friday january the second the spot on my chin is getting bigger it's my mother's fault for not knowing about vitamins and on saturday january the third i think the spot is a boil just my luck to have it wet everybody can see it i pointed it out to my mother that i hadn't had any vitamin c today she said go and buy an orange then oh this is typical on the sunday january the 4th the second after christmas he describes his father having got flu i'm not surprised with the diet we get my mother went out in the rain to get him a vitamin c drink but as i told her it's too late now it's a miracle we didn't get scurvy. My mother says she can't see anything on my chin, but this is guilt because of the diet. And then on Monday, January the 5th, Nigel came round today. He's got a tan from his Christmas holiday. I think Nigel will be ill soon from the shock of the cold of England. I think Nigel's parents were wrong to take him abroad. He hasn't got a single spot. And then on Wednesday, January the 7th, my spot or boil has reached its peak. Surely it can't get any bigger. On Friday, January the ninth, his grandmother comes down and he write, comes round and he writes, My grandmother let the dog out of the coal shed. She said my mother was cruel to lock it up. The dog was sick on the kitchen floor. My grandma locked it up again. She squeezed the spot on my chin. It has made it worse. And then the next day, Saturday, January the tenth, I have put a plaster over the spot to stop germs getting in it from the dog. The next day, he records, the spot is still here. And then, on Wednesday, January the 14th, joined the library, got care of the skin 
Origin of the Species and a book by a woman my mother is always going on about. It's called Pride and Prejudice by a woman called Jane Austen. I could tell the librarian was impressed. Perhaps she's an intellectual like me. She didn't look at my spot, so perhaps it is getting smaller. About time. And one, oh, and final little things. He then goes to the doc. He then says he goes goes to the doctors. Um, I will go to the doctors on Saturday if the spot is still there. I can't live like this with everyone staring. I started Origin of Species today, but it's not as good as the television series. Care of the skin is dead good. I've left it open on the pages about vitamins. I hope Mother takes the hint. I have left it on the kitchen table near the ashtray, so she's bound to see it. I've made an appointment about the spot. It has turned purple. And then Saturday, January the 17th, he describes going along to see the doctor. Nigel came round to see if I wanted to go to the pictures, but I told him I couldn't because I was going to the doctors about the spot. Dr Taylor must be one of those overworked GPs you're always reading about. He didn't examine the spot. He just said, I mustn't worry, and was everything all right at home. I told him about my bad home life and my poor diet, but he said I was well nourished and to go home and count my blessings. So much for the National Health Service. So there we are, Sam. A comedic um, discussion of spots in adolescence in 1980s Britain. Thatcher's Britain. Oh, yeah bit of Thatcher's angst there. Uh, guys, I hope you've enjoyed our history of spots. We are sure to be back with something interesting soon, possibly the number 50. You'll have to see. Yes. Um, or the Robin. Do please follow... Or, or the Robin, yeah. Yes. Yeah, do. Um, do please follow me on social media. I'm at Dr Sam Willis. And if you're interested in maritime and naval history, the history of the sea, please listen to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm on at James Daybell. The podcast is at Unexpected Pod. We are also on Instagram and Facebook, so come and make friends with us there. Check out our website, historiesoftheunexpected.com, for all our back catalogue. And also, importantly, Klaxon, 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 signed by books for Christmas. Um, you can have uh, our series books on the Romans, the Vikings, the Tudors and World War II, or a copy of our big hardback book. I can think of nothing better that I would wish to receive for Christmas. Uh, that sounds utterly vain, doesn't it? <laughs> I can't imagine anything better than a book I've written myself for Christmas. <laughs> That's utter nonsense, but you know what I mean. If you'd like to help us uh, change the way in which we think about the past, head over to patreon.com and our Histories of the Unexpected page there to help support the podcast um but meanwhile uh stay stay well and happy advent to people uh happy holidays cheerio guys bye 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.